There's a passage of scripture in 2 Kings. I'd like to visit with you this morning. It's 2 Kings chapter 4, and about verse number 38. We'll start there. There is a there is a rather simple there is a rather simple message from this. Uh, you say simple? <laughs> but there is a simple message. It may take us a little while to get around it, but it's a simple message. But it's, but it's a very important message. There's a lot of concern we have today about what people are consuming. In fact, you may be concerned yourself in terms of what you are consuming. I'm not talking just about the physical food you eat. I'm thinking more in terms of the kind of information that you take in. We have a diet. We, we, we have a table spread. And from that table that's spread, we can receive all kinds of information. Do you ever find you're watching too much news? Anybody ever have the sense maybe that you're watching too much news? Did you ever think that maybe you could watch about 10% of what you're watching and be well informed? I think so. So sometimes we, we are aware of the fact that we are consuming information that would better be better if we didn't consume. But there's another point I want to visit with you this morning. And uh, let me say it's not what people are feeding on. It's not so much what people are feeding on. It's what is missing. It's what's missing. There's something missing. And the missing element is much more important than just what people are feeding on. I remember the old days, I'll spend very little time on this thought with you this morning, but back in the old days. And when I say old days, I'm talking about a substantial amount of time. I'm talking about before most of you were born, with the exception of Don over here on the side. <laughs> I remember when I, first, when I first began, I don't know exactly how to phrase this, because it did, I really, really didn't begin anything. I didn't consciously attempt to start or begin any kind of journey. I was perfectly content on the... Well, I wouldn't say I was content, but I was on a particular course in life and I had no intention of changing it. Then there came the introduction of something, an ingredient, into my life. It was an ingredient that I hadn't had come to me like that before. And this ingredient that began to enter into my life absolutely transformed everything. And I was continuing to do outwardly many of the things that I had already done. And so I won't go into the details about all of that this morning, but I just want to say that as I recall those days, I realized it was the introduction of something very valuable that began the transformation from the inside. I didn't set about to try to eliminate from my life a whole host of things. Should those things have been eliminated? Yes. Did I set out to try to eliminate them? No. Uh, how were they eliminated? They were eliminated as a consequence of something else. This is what I'd like to share with you this morning. So at Second Kings chapter 4 and verse 38, when Elisha returned to Gilgal, there was a famine in the land. The sons of the prophets were sitting at his feet. And he said to his attendant, put on the large pot and make stew for the sons of the prophets. Now, it's quite apparent there was a famine in the land. They did not really have all the ingredients for the stew. And yet the prophet said to his, to his servants, put on the large pot 
Don't put on the little pot. Put on the large pot so we can all eat and have our fill. Make stew for the sons of the prophets. We're all hungry. We all want to eat. So it says that one went out to the field to gather herbs and he found a wild vine from which he gathered as many wild gourds as his garment would hold. He just absolutely filled his garment with wild gourds. And then he came back and he cut them up into the pot of stew. So he didn't have a lot of ingredients to put in the stew because of the famine, so he went out and he found some wild gourds. And he brought them back in and he cut them all up nice and he put them all into the pot of stew. And I'm talking about a large, you know, the kind of garments they wore and as much as his garment would hold of these wild gourds. Did he know what they wear? No, he didn't. He didn't know what they wear. But that's what he had. And the prophet had said to go and make a large stew with a large pot. So he did that. And he put these wild gourds in, cut them up nicely, but he was unaware of what they wear. What were they? Well, apparently they were from a plant called the Coloquintida. Uh, Say that ten times real fast. It's the uh, fruit of the plant by the same name, and it's about the size of a large orange. It's brought from the Levant, and it often is known by the name of the bitter apple. Now, when you say bitter apple, you know why they call it the bitter apple, if you tasted the bitter apple. What's the size of a large orange? Both the seeds and the pulp are intensely bitter, very, very bitter to taste. And they're violently purgative. Need I go into any detail about what that means? I think not. Violently purgative. It ranks among vegetable poisons, as uh, all intense bitters do, but judiciously employed, it is of considerable use in medicine. So the idea of this particular gourd is that just a little wee, small little sliver, perhaps, in the big pot of stew, (laughs) and that would have been great, but uh, for medicinal purposes. But the whole thing was all this, all these gourds, just cut up nicely. Didn't know what they were. It says they served some for the men to eat. But when they ate the stew, as soon as it touched their palate, they cried out and they said, there's death in the pot. And this is the subject for the morning. There's death in the pot. Now, I don't know how literally to take these words, but I think you could, I think you could take them literally because of the extreme amounts of this, uh, basically a poison, but again, use it in a very judicial small amount. It could be of medicinal value in certain circumstances, but not like this. And so they cried out, they said, there's death in the pot, man of God. They said this to Elisha, the prophet, man of God, there's death in the pot. See, they're, they're following his instructions. They're following his instructions. He's the servant of God. He's the prophet of God. They're only doing what the prophet of God in their mind has told them to do. How can this have a bad uh, outcome? How can this have a bad uh, outcome when they're following what the man of God has told them to do? I think there's times when we even find ourselves in very difficult circumstances, even doing that which we believe we ought to do. I'm doing the thing that I am 
called to do. I'm doing the thing that I believe the Lord wants me to do, and yet sometimes we find ourselves in very difficult circumstances. Kind of reminds me of the statement in Proverbs that is in twice, chapter 14 and chapter 16. There is a way which seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. There's a way that seems right, but the end is the way of death. Now, it's not, let me, let me say now, it's not exactly. Now, the problem is not exactly, as we'll see, is not entirely that they're eating this poisonous thing that is so violently purgative that in these kinds of quantities that they're consuming it, it could lead to their death. Literally. But we're going to see something here that is, I believe, an event that actually occurred in the life of Elisha, the prophet. But this also, because the Word of God contains types and illustrations and it conveys to us spiritual truth from the events of the Scripture. And the emphasis now is about to be, okay, we have a real problem. We have a real problem. We are in the act of consuming something that is very violently adverse to our health and well-being. And I'd suggest we're doing this in terms of the kinds of things we're consuming as people in our society. We're consuming information and ideologies and philosophies. It's having a devastating influence and impact upon the society. It's absolutely destroying the fabric of the society from the inside and many people don't know it. They think they're doing that which they ought to do. But it's killing us as a society. It's killing the society. There's death in the pot. And Elisha the prophet, he said, get some meal. Get some meal. I don't think they had a lot of meal. This is famine. They didn't have a lot of meal. If they had a lot of meal then perhaps he would have put a little bit of girds into the pot, but not this entire lapful, huge lapful of girds into the pot. Elisha said, get some meal. And when they brought him the meal, a little bit of meal that they had, he threw it into the pot and he said, serve it for the people to eat and there was nothing bad in the pot. And there was a wonderful, miraculous event that occurred. You cannot explain this simply in scientific terms. But there was a miraculous event that occurred and the meal that Elisha introduced into the pot with these herbs was able to neutralize the negative effect of the herbs so that they were able to eat the entire contents of the pot and be fully satisfied, removing the extreme bitterness of taste and removing the harmful effects uh, of the natural effects of these girds. He said, serve it for the people to eat. We, uh, he said, I called for the large pot to be filled for a reason. Because we're hungry and we need our hunger to be satisfied. But this small amount of meal. So the problem really is not so much all the uh, negative effects of these girds. The problem is that the meal is not being placed into the pot. Because the meal, although small in amount, is a far greater power. It has a positive effect. It can overcome the negative effect of the girds. And it did. There was nothing bad in the pot. 
Now, I'd like to draw an analogy, and I believe we, we may draw an analogy from this, since these accounts are not intended just for to be understood in a literal historical sense as an event that did occur. Is this a literal event that occurred? Yes, it did. Exactly like this. But does it have spiritual import? Yes, it does. And some of the spiritual import is this tremendous power and authority of God's Word when introduced into an otherwise hostile kind of environment that God's Word is so powerful and awesome that it's able to neutralize and overwhelm and overcome the effects. So what our um, focus and objective should be then based on this uh, the message and the emphasis this morning is, is it lamentable that there's all this kind of poisonous information that people are consuming out in the society? The, the answer is yes. Is there a famine in, in, in the sense, is there a famine of wholesome, good, nutritious, philosophical, ideological information for people to consume? The answer is yes. Not only that, but are people gathering information? Are they gathering it and are they filling their lap with it and are they putting it into the pot of the human educational systems and higher instruction and colleges and universities and governmental policies and on and on and on? And the answer is yes. Can it by itself, does it by itself have the power to destroy and to kill? And the answer is yes, it does. But what if, under the instruction of God's word, rather than lamenting what is occurring over which we have no initial control, but what if there is introduced into the public discussion? What, is it, what if there is introduced into it this analogy to the meal, that which is in maybe rare supply? but has a marvelous power to it. It's able to take away the bitterness and is able to take away the harm. So it's not just what is, but it's what's missing. It's what's missing. I want to read a couple of passages with you and I'll not take very long this morning. I want to begin in Ezekiel with you. If you'd like to join me in your Bible, please do. But it is Ezekiel chapter 2. In the second chapter of Ezekiel, I'll come into about verse number 8. Verse 8, and I want to begin to read here. It says, But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Do not be rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. I'm going to read a few passages here now in this venue, and then we're going to close. And this is a word for us. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. It's going to have tremendous dynamic power in your life. You need to be rescued from something that will rescue you. If you've been consuming stuff that you shouldn't have been consuming, it's going to have the power absolutely to negate the harmful effects of that which you have been consuming. If you've been raised on an ideology that you need to be rescued from, this has the power to rescue you from it. If you're listening to teaching, wherever it is, that has a negative, harmful influence or effect upon your life, this has the power to change it. 
So we won't put our emphasis this morning just on don't do this, don't do that, stay away from this, stay away from that. It may be good advice to stay away from a lot of things. But our emphasis this morning is not going to be so much on what we should stay away from. Now, don't, don't leave and say it's not important. It, it doesn't matter. It is very important that we stay away from certain things. Should they have eaten that, those wild gourds? <laughs> Ideally, no. But was there a remedy? Was there an antidote? Was there something that was more powerful than the negative effects of that? The answer is yes. And so the word of the Lord again to Ezekiel is, Hear what I say to you. Do not be rebellious like the rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. Now when I looked, there was a hand stretched out to me. You know there's a hand stretched out to you. There's a hand stretched out to me. He said, And behold, a scroll of a book was in it. And then he spread it before me. And there was writing on the inside and on the outside. And written on it were lamentations and mourning and woe. Now the message, the message was not a positive one. The content of the message was not extremely or exceedingly positive because it had lamentations and mourning and woe. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, eat what you find. Now, without regard to what the content of the word is for you or for me, it's essential that we consume that word. He said, Son of man, eat what you find. Eat this scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. And the idea is here that what Ezekiel would speak to the house of Israel would be the contents of what he had consumed. You see, So he consumes the scroll and then he is able to speak the contents of the scroll. He said, so I opened my mouth and he caused me to eat the scroll. And he said to me, son of man, feed your belly and fill your stomach with this scroll that I give you. Now, this is a wonderful key. And I have, um, in some of my reviews of great revivals over the years, during the last 2,000 years, there's been one thing that I've seen observed repeatedly, and that is that men and women who have been used mightily of God have said that the key to speaking powerfully or preaching the Word with great power and great effect was to consume the words, be so full of the Word, that when they went out and proclaimed it, they actually released that which they had consumed to the people. And the effect upon the people was profound and overwhelmingly positive. But before they could release it that way, they had first to first consume it. They had to receive it. Don't think this is always easy. This is not always easy. So he said, feed your belly, fill your stomach with this scroll that I give you. So I ate and it was... It was in my mouth like honey and sweetness. This is very interesting. As he was tasting it and consuming and eating it, the taste in his mouth at the time he was receiving it was sweet, like honey. You know honey is good. You like honey? Honey is really good. Um, I love honey. 
like that. <laughs> so honey has a wonderful sweetness to it. And this word, even though there was an ominous content to the word, and as he would later speak this word, it would be spoken as judgment and woe. But while he consumed it in the sweet fellowship of the word of God, there is a sweetness to the reception initially of the word of God that is wonderful to taste, the taste of the word of God. You know, there's nothing, nothing in this world that's more pleasurable for the human being than the consumption of God's word. The taste of God's word to your spirit, to your mind, to your soul is delicious and marvelous. Even when the delivery of that word may be a very difficult thing, the most difficult thing you've ever done. But the taste of it, because it's received from Him, I cannot adequately uh, describe this. But we'll describe it to the best of our ability in the few moments that we have together. So again, so I ate and it was in my mouth like honey and sweetness. And then he said to me, Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak with my words to them. For you are not sent to a people of unfamiliar speech and of hard language, but to the house of Israel. Not to many people of unfamiliar speech and of hard language, whose words you cannot understand. Surely, had I sent you to them, they would have listened to you. If I would have sent you to those people who do not know you, and whose language you do not speak. If I would have sent you to those people, foreigners, people far away, they would have listened to you and received your words. Now listen, there's word here for us today. Because there's a spiritual commonality and message here. Because he was sent to the house of Israel. He was sent to his neighbors. He was sent to his family members. He was sent to his friends with this message. He says, but the house of Israel will not listen to you because they will not listen to me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. Behold, I have made your face strong against their faces and your forehead strong against their foreheads. Like adamant stone, harder than flint, I have made your forehead. Oh, think about this. Isn't this, isn't this extremely unfortunate? Isn't it sad? God makes the prophet's forehead, if you like, his face, his forehead so hard because in order to deliver this and be faithful in delivering this word, which will be rejected and violently rejected, there needs to be a resoluteness that's required. Whether they receive it or not, it must be spoken. It must be delivered. This is the bitterness. It says, Do not be afraid of them, nor be dismayed at their looks, though they are a, uh, a rebellious house. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, receive into your heart all my words that I speak to you, and hear with your ears. And I'm going to stop reading at this point and say, this is a message for us to receive into our hearts all his words, all his words. 
And some of the words that he sends to us are words that there's great pleasure in delivering. Some of the words that he'll send to us and does send to us and may send to you in the future as you proceed will be very difficult for you to deliver. But you must deliver them exactly as he gives them to you. They're sweet to taste and receive. But sometimes they're bitter in the processing. There's another passage that is a close passage to this that I would like to present to you before we close. This is in Revelations chapter 10. Revelations chapter 10. Now again this morning, it's not so much what uh, is in the pot of popular society that is being consumed that has harmful effects, but it's what's missing. What's missing? There's something missing. And the Lord is providing that which is missing. It needs to be presented into the pot. There's a large pot from which the society is consuming. And there's death in that pot. But there is meal, small by comparison, but much more powerful. It's the word of God, that which he provides. And it is intended to be presented into the mixture. Don't be concerned that it might be small by comparison, but it has the power to remove the bitterness and to remove the danger for many that they may consume and be uninjured by what they consume. Revelations chapter 10, verse 8. It says, Then the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go, take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. And so I went to the angel and said to him, Give me the little book. And he said to me, Take and eat it. Take it and eat it. And it will make your stomach bitter. Notice this. It will make your stomach bitter. But it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy, this word. It's not going to be easy to present it. It's not going to be easy to process it. Some of the ramifications of this word is going to be hard for the flesh of a human being to bear. Nevertheless, in the initial consuming of it, since it comes from the hand of the Lord, it will be sweet to your taste. And you'll really enjoy receiving the word from the Lord as he gives it to you. But when it comes time to faithfully give it out and present it, there's going to be a certain element of bitterness involved in that. Can we understand this? Again, so he said to me, take and eat it, and it will make your stomach bitter. But it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. And then I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it. And it was as sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. And he said to me, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. And so again, I've never found, although the, trim, the truth is simple, I've never found the truth to be anything but profound. While it is simple, it is 
at the same time profound. And you know what else it is? The truth is always, this came to me many, many years ago. I'll just share it with you as we close. The truth is always beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And the beauty of the truth explains how it tastes like honey in the consumption. It tastes like honey in the consumption. It's sweet as honey in the consumption. But remember now, some of the message, some of the word that's required to be expressed and passed on, even though it has tremendous power, and it has the power to reclaim. It has the power to revitalize. It has the power to rescue. Because there are many who are consuming that out in the larger culture who will die who will die and who will be lost and they need to be recovered. And you can go out and try to rescue them, take all the goods away from them and do all that and you will be unsuccessful. But there is this meal that must be presented into it that has power over it. And so in my own experience, I just touched on it a little bit at the beginning and maybe let, allow me to touch on it just a little bit more as we close before Ruth comes to play for us. In my early life, as some of you know, um, I was consuming uh, from the poisonous pot of society in large amounts. And uh, that was having a terrible impact and influence upon my own life. And so... Again, I'm checked a little bit about going into some of the detail because why talk about the detail? It was, it was bad. Let me put it that way. It was bad. And then one of the very first things that uh, came to me was a little book. One of the very first things that came to me was a little book written by a man named John Linton. John Linton, Salvation Army Evangelist. My mother went to the Salvation Army many years ago and John Linton was there and he was preaching and he had a couple of books, small books and he uh, had them for sale and she bought a couple of his little books and she had them there and somehow she ended up giving me one of these little books and I started to read this little book by John Linton. One of them was called, it was a series of little short chapters and examples and one was called The Devil's Bird Cage. The Devil's Bird Cage. He talked in that little, he talked in that little, uh, or he wrote in those short chapters, he wrote about how that the devil has a bird cage. And sometimes when, even during a meeting, he said, even sometimes during a meeting, a revival meeting, a gospel meeting, at certain times in the meeting, the devil will try to release a bird from his bird cage to disturb, to distract. And he went into some detail about some of these different birds that the devil tries to release from his birdcage. But you see, that little book, one of the very first things that I began to read, because I always loved books. And one of the things that that little book began to do was become like a little bit of meal. Meal. Into the pot. I wasn't trying to change anything about what I was doing outwardly. But there was something that began to be changed. 
something began to be changed. And the effects of the content of the pot now lost bit by bit, it lost its power over me to destroy, to kill, to damage. And that's what's intended to occur for our loved ones who may be resting heavy on our heart and spirit. Reevaluate how the Lord wants to use you to reclaim them. Reevaluate how the Lord wants to use you to reclaim your loved ones. Pat, that's for you and me as well. We don't reclaim them by trying to change the circumstances of their life. Would it be good the circumstances change? Yeah, absolutely, yes. But wait a minute. What is going to bring about that change? This is the message for the hour, for the morning. What will bring about that change? Will my efforts to change the circumstances bear fruit? Probably not. But will the meal, will the meal, precious meal, in a time of famine, precious meal that's left, if that meal is placed into the pot from which they are consuming, what's going to happen then? Good things are about to happen. You couldn't keep those good things from happening. And that's our purpose. But when you go to take that good meal and put it into that pot, there'll be some bitterness involved. There'll be some bitterness. When the Lord shows us the idea and the concept which we're looking at briefly this morning, there's a sweetness and a beauty to it. It's lovely to talk about. I feel it now. It's beautiful. I love it. There'll be some bitterness in the application. But don't worry about that. That won't take away its power to bear, to bear fruit. I'm just, I just feel like praising the Lord for it right now, before it's even begun in many circumstances. Why not praise Him in advance? Thank you, Lord, for what you are about to do in the lives of many for whom we pray and covet for your kingdom. May the meal of your word be introduced into the pot from which they are consuming. In Jesus' name, amen.